Great morning, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of Thank God for Monday. I'm Brother Greg Cellini of the Franciscan Brothers of Brooklyn and Seton Hall University class of 1985. The purpose of our show, Thank God for Monday, is to inspire you, our audience, to take personal responsibility for your professional satisfaction. We want to provide you hope, healing, and peace in these unprecedented, turbulent, uncertain times. Motivate you to search deep inside yourself in the quest for fulfillment. Listeners, it's really up to you to utilize information we provide today. Take full accountability for the decisions you make and a resulting outcome. Now, one of the goals of our show, thank God, for Monday is to introduce role models. Role models of people who take very bold steps in their work lives. This is a very special time, as Wednesday, August 17, is National Nonprofit Day. And as such, we are honored today to have with us a most special guest. Her name is Katie McCleary. Katie is an entrepreneur and storyteller who trains leaders, creatives, and humanitarians to launch big ideas by leveraging their social and cultural capital. She is the founder of 916 Inc., a nonprofit that has transformed over 4,000 vulnerable youth into confident authors. She is also the co-author of the timely and enlightening book, Bridge the Gap. Breakthrough communication tools to transform work relationships from challenging to collaborative. Great morning and welcome to Thank God for Monday, Katie. Yay. Thank God for Monday. Thanks for having me, Greg. Uh, the honor is all ours. Kindly share with the listeners and me from what city and state you're speaking from this morning. So I live in Fair Oaks, California, which is a tiny little enclave outside of Sacramento, California, which is our state capital. So pretty large region, but I have found a little quiet niche that feels like country and farm. <laughs> well, I can tell you just made the host and a whole lot of listeners very, very jealous. So, <laughs> thank you for getting up so extra early to be with us today. We've only got 30 minutes, Sarah, to say we're going to jump right into the deep end of the pool, if we will. Awesome. Share with us, because National Nonprofit Day is right around the corner, why did you start this great nonprofit? So I was really compelled to help young people find their voice, hone their voice, and use their voice for good. And I spent... um I spent about 10 years in education and decided that I didn't want to become a teacher. I didn't want to get credentialed, that I could have more impact by being a non-traditional educator outside the system, helping kids during hours that they weren't in school or at home, really um, find community, find who they were internally, and to really inspire them and hold them to their highest capability and promise. And so I did that work for 10 years and then I opened up my nonprofit and I had my nonprofit under my leadership for 10 years before I passed it on to another leader who could take it to the next level. So, um, yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I did it is that 
we have to have spaces for um, people, community to feel safe and belong. And a nonprofit is a great way to do that. Oh, no question about that. Now, it's very interesting because I think you started to answer this next question somewhat, but let's peel the onion because we talk about impact. What impact do you wish to make in the world? And what have you seen change by investing in people and communities? You know, Greg, I think the biggest change that I want to see in the world, and I almost cry when I talk about it, is that I want people to love life and I want people to love themselves. And I believe that when people love themselves, they begin to love life. And everything about us begins in our story. It begins by understanding so deeply who we are and what we can be held capable to accomplishing. And so the impact I really want to see in the world are vibrant, joyful people expressing who they are, expressing who they are in God's eye, in the universal eye. And and when you really love yourself, you love other people. And that's the change I want to see. I want to see a slower world with people connecting and finding joy and space in the company of others and also ourselves. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's so Franciscan. And it's ironic we talk about this today because I've been in higher ed since just about 2010, uh, becoming a Franciscan brother after many, many years in the corporate world. And I don't know about you, I've seen a little bit of a shift the last 10, 12 years. I'd be curious if you've seen a similar shift in just how the world is the last 10 to 12 years. Yeah. So I call... I call the nine to five world that the majority of people live in because we have to, that's, that's what we're born into. It's our culture. And it seems like an unforgivable machine. And so we beget more progress with more progress and more growth. And we're do, 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 go, go, go. We're lessening our attention spans. We're not going slow enough. At the same time, when the pandemic hit, I think we have these pauses and these moments of breathing space or even just space. And we get a glimmer of like what's possible if we were to slow down, if an obstacle, a barrier, a pressure in our life were just removed, you know, we begin to see possibility and have better imaginations about how we might fill that space and time. And so I just think in the last 10 to 12 years, I don't know. It seems volatile. It seems changing. It seems uncertain. And I think that um, it doesn't bring out the best sides in us. And I'm worried about that. Yeah, that makes two of us no doubt about it. And that's why this great work you're doing has become more and more important as we go on every day. Now, if I perceive your background correctly, Katie, you have a degree in writing and consciousness. Yeah. Now, where did you obtain this degree? What's it all about? (laughs) I love this degree so much. So I have a master's of fine arts, which is sort of like the PhD level of this kind of stuff. And when you're an artist, you're really expressing, right? Through a unique voice, a unique lens in order to impact whoever receives your art on the other side. So the writing part, pretty evident. 
I learned how to write memoir, fiction, poetry, nonfiction, all the writing, but the consciousness part, the consciousness part is what am I paying witness to? What am I paying witness to internally? What am I paying witness to externally? What am I conscious of? What am I unconscious of? Because there's so much that we're unconscious of that is still living inside us and we're experiencing every day. So how do I make sense of it? And writing is a tool to do that. It's a tool of witness. And it's a tool of connection when we take what we witness, what we express, what we experience and give it to others in a format that makes them feel something. Art should make you feel something. Wow. And so you make that conscious. So I got this degree from the California Institute of um, Integral Studies, and it's in San Francisco. And they're really known for leadership, psychology, um, philosophy, and um, a lot of world change kind of stuff. I, I would imagine a lot of individuals that you're with on your side of the nation, <laughs> I'm with on my side of the nation. And it's about being present and what, what are we experiencing and knowing and how do we get that out there and have a conversation about it? Wow. Thanks for enlightening the listeners and me about this. In 15 years on the air, we've never heard of anything like this, but it sounds like an incredible degree. And I would dare to say that this degree probably has helped shape your path incredibly. I don't know if you recently got this degree or if it was a bit ago, but share with us more about your path and how this degree fit in, please, Kate. Yeah, so I got the degree in 2008. And so prior to that, like I said, I was working for a school district and um, I was running youth development programs as a after school program coordinator. And I was, I was in charge of mentoring. So I would basically take adults from the corporate world, train them in youth development practices, which is just basic human development practices. And teaching them how to reach across the divide to a vulnerable young person who really needed a pal, a friend, a mentor, a coach, someone to be a mirror and a window for them. I really talk a lot about mirrors and windows. That's what we need. So I did that for a long time and I got really burnt out in that system. And I got really disillusioned with public education. Oh, wow. so I went and got my degree because I knew I wanted to write. I've been obsessed with writers, authors, books literature since I was born. <laughs> uh. so I went and got this degree and I went and taught at the community college and I taught adults. And I realized that adults were just as blocked in their story as the kids I was seeing at the high school that I worked at. Really? Wow. So there was really very little difference between a community college classroom and a high school classroom and a middle school classroom. People were very disconnected from who they were, what they thought, how they processed their story, that they were even in a story or that they had agency to understand their story and write a new chapter. And so I took all that experience and I thought, I got to start my own thing. And I'm a, I'm like a renegade. Like I don't do well with bosses, so I kind of need to be the boss. I had to start my own gig and I started 916 Inc., which was um, inspired by 826. You have an 826 in New York. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And there are these creative writing centers that are hidden behind storefronts, like a pirate store, a superhero store, um, a spy shop. 
And so I thought we were going to become an 826, but turns out we couldn't really become an 826 and Sacramento really needed its own thing. Like we're not in these big urban cities like you are. We're a very spread out city. Sure. Um, so the best thing that I did is I talked to everybody I knew about my idea. I got up the courage. I took people to lunch, to coffee, to walks. Do you know, I told realtors, business owners, city council, um, do-gooders, evaluation, grant, I took uh, teachers. I took everybody I knew in my world. And I said, Hey, I have this idea. Will you help me? 37 wow. people said yes. Wow. And they came from all different industry all over our city. And they all had different visions. And my job was to say, well, I have a vision, but I don't want it to just be my vision. It's not the Katie McCleary show. This is a gift for the kids of Sacramento. And so how do I take everybody's visions together and we co-create something really unique and then we do one thing and we do it well and we just replicate that over and over and over oh. again. And so yeah. that's really how 916 came about. So even though I'm the founder of it, those 37 original people that then grew into a volunteer base of 150 that grew into a staff of 27. That oh grew my gosh. Hero dollar a year, all volunteer nonprofit. Oh. Into what I think this year they have over a $1 million budget. Oh, that's amazing. Like you imagine, you know, that's the growth that it takes. And I'm going to tell you, it's really hard. It's like rolling boulders uphill but you know you're doing such good work and you're changing lives. You will keep rolling those boulders up the hill. And then at some point, I believe that if you really want your baby to live, your baby, just like in a house, has to leave. And um, I left after 10 years and I gave wow. it to the leader who's taken it to the next level. Oh. Under leadership. And now it's sustainable. It is a heart that can beat outside my heart. And I think that's another part of this story that yeah. some people don't realize. What an amazing, amazing story. Now, as you say, writing is very important to you. Why do you think, Katie, it's such an important vehicle to changing the world today more than ever in need of change? As humans, we are, imagina we are imaginative creatures. We have wild, amazing imaginations in our mind, in our heart, in our soul writing the act of handwriting in a simple composition notebook, your, your mind will manufacture a million thoughts a day for you to try to latch and attach to. It wants to solve problems. That's what your brain wants to do. Mm. Your mind though, is also full of such deep stories about what problems you've already solved, what problems you've already gone through. And I think there's great magic in slowing your mind down translating thoughts into pen and handwriting on a piece of paper to reveal to you what's deep inside. What do you really care about? We all care about, I believe we all have narrative threads in our life that we keep going back to these things that define us and they live inside us. And when they sit inside us, they stagnate, they get lost. We get confused in the world about who we are and what we're capable of. So if we slow down to handwrite, that comes out of us. We express it and then we can look at it. And then if you do it long enough, you begin to have a different window and mirror into yourself. 
wow, I really write a lot about birds or I really write a lot about broken hearts. Like what is the connection that I can make between birds and broken hearts? Oh, and that's where the real magic lives when you begin to understand who you uniquely are. And I think we have to slow down. We have to handwrite. We have to just write about the world around us because guess what? Your brain and your mind are already going to give you naturally the stuff that you need to process. Oh, wow. That is so beautiful. No doubt about it. Now, you are someone in just the last few minutes have given us tremendous advice, but we're very curious, Katie, what advice would you and are you giving change makers, humanitarians, creatives who really want to dig in and do service based work? You know, you're going to go against the stream. It's really easy to get bogged down and distracted in scarcity. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough resources. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough energy. I don't have enough people helping me. A lot of change makers, they have some, they have a fire so deep inside them that they know what to do. They know the vehicle of change for them, whether it's art, dance, um, theater, I'm using the arts now, but even like building buildings, homelessness, mm. like you know what it is, right? Wow. When we get stuck in a scarcity mindset, it's hard to really move forward. And if you really want to affect change, my best advice to you is always know the capital that you have. So you may not have economic capital, but you have cultural capital. You have creative capital. You have social capital. You have people who can help you, but you have to learn how to ask. And you have to make them a part of it. So when they say, I would love to give my time to you, I would love to give my money to you, I would love to give you my talents and skills, here's what I can offer. See them wholly and bring them in instead of just using them as an ATM to say, well, I need you to do this one thing. I need you to give this amount. I need you to participate. Oh, wow. Bring them a part of it. That is a part of your capital that you leverage to make great things happen. You have to be highly collaborative. You have to understand what's in it for them, not just for you or the change you're trying to affect. So, so when you get into scarcity, you make a list. I have this skill. I have this talent. I have this passion. I have all these people in my network. How do I begin to think creatively to make those connections to get at more economic capital, more change and impact, doing more because you're not going to be able to replicate yourself. And that's why founders and change makers burn out. They just think it's all about them, even though their whole impetus was not to be all about oh, them. Gee. That is really very, very enlightening, certainly. Now, we introduced you earlier on as a storyteller. I know you love stories. Is there a story that stays with you when doing servant leadership you might want to share with us today, Katie? Yeah. So in working with, I've worked with just so many kids and people throughout the gamut. And of course the ones that stay with me are really highly, highly, highly vulnerable kids, kids who, who come from horror shows. There's just no other way to say it. It's an, it's unimaginable. And then when you're with them and that's the key word with not, uh, not above, not below, you're just with them. You're walking with them. When you allow to give that kid space, and breathing room. They feel so safe 
And that's where change happens. So there was a boy that we met at a library, unimaginable living conditions. Being dropped off there every day to do his work, to go to his homeschool program. So he just sat in the library all day. And we were, we, we started our after school program there and he joined because he was there. He had nothing else to do. And we said, we're going to go for a walk around the neighborhood and we're going to make a list of all the whimsical things we see in the neighborhood. Now the neighborhood is considered the ghetto. I really don't like. Oh gosh. There's a lot of neighborhoods that thrive with a lot of love that we just fail to see. So I said, let's go love the neighborhood. He pulls out, he goes, okay, well, I'm ready to go, Miss Katie. And he pulls out a, a, um, a knife that he's duct taped onto a plastic fork. And he goes, I got my sword. I'm ready to go. Oh, wow. And I said, hey, um, I actually feel really worried about you having that. Can we have, go have a conversation? Because we were with a bunch of other kids. And, and he, it was making them nervous. That's not a conversation you have in front of other people. I said, hey, um, tell me about your sword, right? I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to say, hey, you can't have that. Give that to me. Hey, let's go have a conversation. Can we just go for a little mini walk? Tell me about your sword. The sword protects him. The sword he's had to use. Mm. The sword makes the world accessible to oh. him. So I said, can we keep just for this walk? Could you walk by me? You know, you you can be my special helper. Can you walk beside me? And um, we're going to keep the sword in your backpack. Oh, wow. And, you know, instead of seeing the world in this walk, we're going to take a 20 minute walk. Instead of seeing the world as something that the sword needs to protect you, what would happen if we didn't have a sword and we began to say and see all the things we love about this neighborhood we're in, all the goodness? Oh, that kid went from being a pretty brash, defensive, really hard to control kid in a classroom to someone who kept coming to our program. He got published in five books, oh. got to know his family. I could have gone another way. I could have reported to CPS. I could have chewed those parents out. I could have done a million different things. Wow. I chose love. I chose to be mm. with. And he went on to Africa to do missions. And he started doing creative writing clubs on his missions in Africa. He's now a young adult, like finishing up college, like, his whole life changed because of 916 Inc. Oh. So that's one story. I could tell so many like that. Oh, I'm sure. I wish we had more time. Time's getting a bit short, but I've still got some important questions, Katie, to ask you. Uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk briefly about your great book here. You co-authored Bridge the Gap. Tell us a little bit about Bridge the Gap, please. So I really feel that with 916 Inc., the mentoring program, I've been teaching people to communicate across the divide for quite a long time. So I have this wonderful co-author, her name is Jennifer Edwards, and we are like two sides of one coin from the outside looking in. I'm oh. liberal, she's conservative, she listens to country music, I listen to rock and rap. I am, I'm covered in tattoos, Greg. You can't see this, I'm covered in tattoos. Not, she would never get a tattoo. So there's a lot of differences and in this polarizing world and times, everything threatens to disconnect us. When actually, like a coin, and I wish I had my coin here, I don't. 
millimeters separate us. They do. We have very, we have, we have similar values, freedom, entrepreneurship, personal responsibility, self-awareness, being kind. We just have really kind of different ways of going about it, given our identity labels in this kind of crazy world. Mm. And we wrote this book called Bridge the Gap, which is a framework to be deeply curious about someone. We believe that curiosity is the cure to disconnection, polarization, and all the stuff that we're experiencing in our society right now. And so it operationalizes curiosity. It's not just be more curious, Greg, go ask more questions. It's not that. How do I be a curious person and know myself first to show up clean and curious to receive another and then help them, right? If I want to pour into them advice, options, feedback, a critical conversation, a courageous conversation, how do I approach and meet them first where they're at to truly understand them, to be able to do that on the flip side? That's what Bridge the Gap is. Oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, not surprising. You have a podcast on NPR about leadership. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit about this, please, and what leadership exactly and uh, why it's so important right now. Um, there's a leader I love named Margaret Wheatley, and so this is her phrase. Leadership is about being with people and being an island of sanity in a chaotic, uncertain, volatile world. Leadership is about people and about being with them and impacting them, um, I believe in an organic, positive way. So on my podcast about leadership, I interview pretty highly visible leaders in our region. Um, and they could be change makers, CEOs, um, elected officials, it doesn't matter. But what is leadership to them and how did they learn it growing up? And usually where they learn it is not in any official capacity. It's not even in their first job. It's something in their childhood. Wow. That they witnessed growing up. So if you're the leader, you're the channel of change. You're the channel of the work. You're the channel of how people belong to your organization, your mission, your cause. Leaders have to be really clear about their values, clear about their behaviors, clear about how they're showing up consistently and clear about how they engage people. Um, so the podcast is really like, if you were on my podcast, I'd say, hey, Greg, tell me about growing up where, and we'd go from there. And then I would hear something and I'd say, oh, I'm gonna go down that rabbit hole. Tell me about that first job you had. Tell me about your mother. And you're gonna wow. bring forth what I think are your narrative threads, your through lines of patience, cultivating joy, listening, right? And that's an aspect of your leadership that's probably making a tremendous difference in your region or workplace, whatever you're doing. Oh, absolutely amazing, certainly. We've saved the most important question, Katie, for last. Where can our loyal purchase listeners purchase Bridge the Gap? How can they best follow you? How can we hear this great podcast? Thank you. So Bridge the Gap is anywhere you buy books. Um, Barnes and Noble, Powell's, uh, Amazon, anywhere you want to buy the book. That would be really great. And you can go to um, www howtobridgethegap.com to learn more about me and Jennifer. And we speak and we train and we love workshops virtual. We love it all. 
Um, the podcast you can get on CAP Radio, which is our NPR channel. So CAP Radio, capradio.org backslash drive. And you can just Google me. I mean, it feels kind of like crazy to say, but just Google Katie McCleary. <laughs> I'm pages deep in the Googles with articles and interviews and um, everything about 916 Inc., which is 916ink.org. So there's lots of ways to find me. And I'm a real person, like reach out, like have a conversation. Oh, that's so one of the listeners, no excuse, bridge the gap, breakthrough communication tools to transform work relationships from challenging to collaborative. Pick up one for yourself, but pick up one for a colleague, for a friend, for a boss. We need to make the workplace desperately much more collaborative. This book will go a long way to doing that. And certainly tune into Katie McCleary on the podcast. Reach out to her. She's given us tremendous nuggets today. A lot more that you can learn from her. So please, please take full advantage of this incredible Katie McCleary. Katie, we can't thank you enough for being with us today. And thank God for Monday. You've enlightened us. Yes, you've inspired us a lot more. Continued success, joy, happiness, and contribution in all this marvelous work you're doing. And congratulations on 916 Inc. and all its tremendous contribution you've made to a broken world in need, in need of desperate repair. Listeners, sorry to say, guess what? Once again, we're out of time. Greg saying our hope and prayer is that if you wake up on Monday morning, just like Katie McClary does, you'll say, thank God for Monday. So until next week, another episode of Thank God for Monday. We wish you a very, very wonderful week. And we'll look forward to hearing you and talking with you again next week. All the best, everybody. Have a great week. Bye-bye.